In our culture, we learn through stories. But what if the stories we hear don't match the reality of life? What if the stories we hear every day that tell us how to write the narrative of our lives actually lead us to a false narrative? My name is Tim Kroll, and on this podcast, you will hear real stories, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Real people sharing the hard times, the bends in the roads along life's journey. If you're ready to join a community of other real people who are writing the narrative of their lives, then go to narrative.live and join the community. Now let's dive into today's show. All right, welcome back. We've got another exciting story because with Jeff, man, I've known Jeff now for... Has it been two years, Jeff? I think I I think it's three, actually. Three? It might be three. Yeah. It might be three. But honestly, our meeting actually came through COVID and through some of the challenges that were going on. Because a mutual friend, Alan, he was like, man, we need to get people connected. We need to be able to have a group together. So Alan created a group and he and I were in the same group. And then you actually contacted Steve, who was a co-founder and all big, big circle come back around. So I've known a lot of your story. I'm really excited to hear about some of the exciting things that you've been up to since we've talked last. But more importantly, and this is what the Narrative Live podcast is all about, is to kind of hear that beginning stage of your journey, not from the warrior dad that you are now, which I'm really excited to kind of talk and dive into a little bit, but what happened prior to being a warrior dad? What was the training? What was all of, anyway, we won't go into it, but I'm excited to hear about all of those things coming up. But before we jump into all of that, give me the 30 second, who is Jeff? Who who are you? Like we just met in the elevator. You got 30 seconds on a couple floor and I say, hey, who are you? What, what are you going to say to that? I'd say I'm a dad of two sons, Jackson 15, Carter 13, been married for 17 plus years, and I'm a positive, energetic, consistent, accountable force for all those around me. Oh, I love that. I love that. And just to kind of, I'm going to tease this just a little bit because I know, and you are still taking cold showers every day, right? Every single day, have not stopped. <laughs> You've been doing that for a couple of years. So you want to hear about the crazy way to get from where you're at to taking cold showers every day. I mean, we'll, we'll kind of tease that into it, I think, probably. And we'll we'll have some comments about that. But I, I'm excited to hear about it. So let's get started with the beginning aspect of what was life like and what were those foundational narratives that you thought were going to play out for the rest of your life? How did you start to form and what were those beliefs that you formed at an early age, before adulthood, before you stepped into the reality of life? It's amazing kind of connecting the dots backwards, right? And, and I had some limiting beliefs, right? Self-worth was a huge one. I'm the oldest of three, younger brother, two, three years younger, younger sister, six years younger. When my sister came along, my mom always wanted a, a girl. Didn't mean she didn't love my brother and I any different, but I, I had to do things for her attention. That created for your some- mom's attention? Yeah, yeah. So that created some limiting beliefs that I wasn't worthy. I mean, in high school, senior year, on the male side, I was voted biggest complainer. In college, I had a fraternity brother that shared, like, you were a Debbie Downer in college, right? So it's an amazing journey when you think about that positive, energetic force that I am now. And yeah. where you start doesn't need to be where you end, for, for sure. Yeah. So let's actually dive into some of that. Why or what created that belief? Or maybe it's even the question, how? How did that belief get formed? Because we know, and, and I've talked to a lot of people, sometimes it's something that somebody specifically said to you that formed that belief. Sometimes it's something that was exemplified. Sometimes it's a an event that caused pain or hurt, and you made a covenant with yourself, like, I will never and that covenant comes about and forms a belief. So how did that actually start with you? So I didn't realize it till 
when I was married with my wife and I used to say, Hey, I did the dishes or I did something else. And she would, she would be like, you want a cookie? Like, why are you telling me these things? And I remember going to work on a rental property with my brother and I, and I'm telling my brother this story. And he said, Jeff, holy crap. I do the same thing with my wife. So mm. at some point at three, six, four, seven, whenever we were at an age, we felt that we weren't worthy. And we, we formed a belief just based upon what was going on in our world. It didn't mean my mother didn't love the two of us any less, but that's the way we took it. And then that when those dots connected, when we had that conversation, I was like, holy crap, that's where it comes from. And so many times we form those beliefs at five, six, seven, and it's based upon circumstances, what somebody says, and we're not equipped at five, six, seven to actually understand what is truly going on. But that's how it was kind of uncovered. And it was it was that light bulb moment between my brother and I. All right. So as we look at that, you said something that's really, really important in that component. And you said that at four, five, six, seven, we're not equipped to be able to properly interpret what's going on in our lives and the actions and things that you form that belief off of. Can you dive a little bit more into that? Because I think so many people don't realize what you just said about connecting all of those dots. Okay. Yes, I grew up in this lifestyle. Yes, I realized at an older age, but they don't always connect with me. Can we dive into that just for a second here? Yeah, it was an eye-opening moment on, on my podcast. I interviewed a coach and, and a therapist and talked about this fact. And then I was like, there it was, right? That That's totally how we do things. And, and we're trying to form opinions and beliefs as we're growing up, as we're at a young age. It's why yeah. it's so important for parents to be aware of what they say around their kids because their kids are hearing it, absorbing it, and they're they're creating their belief system based upon those. And it's amazingly powerful when you have an awareness of it. When you have an awareness, all of a sudden you can take a step back and say, hey, there's nothing necessarily wrong with me. That's just how we're wired, how our belief patterns are formed. And then what actions can you take to reform those and reframe how you're going to operate moving forward? Yeah. So I literally had a conversation last night on another podcast that I was being interviewed on. And she brought up this point that you just made is that we can't see our own blind spots. And I don't know if that's what you're referring to, but it kind of sounds very similar in the aspect that the way that we interpret it and the way that we form that, we don't always see our own blind spots in that. No, we don't. And that's your subconscious mind. I always like to say, hey, you're driving in a race car of life. You want to go fast. You want to slam down that gas. You want to get results personally and professionally. Those limiting beliefs in your subconscious mind, you've got a foot that's slamming down on that gas pedal. The other foot is on the brake. And you just can't seem to get to that next level until you, one, get an awareness of what that one or two limiting beliefs are. And then how do you step through those? How do you get past them? How do you start to form a different mindset, different belief pattern? And then your life accelerates from that point on. A very true statement there. If we were to sum up that what we would, and again, part of the false narrative that we always find, what would you say was that false narrative, the biggest false narrative that you had? Obviously, we're talking a little bit about the realization, but when you realize that, how would you define that false narrative? What would you kind of put that in a little capsule with? It was, I wasn't worthy. So anytime I got to some level of success, I would always kind of self-sabotage or I would take my foot off the gas and wouldn't continue progressing because I'd get to a certain level. And that was like, well, I'm not worthy to go up past that level. Let's go back to the comfort zone. And you know, our beliefs kind of, it's, it's like having a, an internal thermostat. And until you kind of can raise that thermostat internally and be okay with that, man, you always go back to that zone. So self-sabotage, 
that was a, a huge factor in that I'm not worthy belief pattern that I had. And so many people deal with that on a regular daily basis. And I find it in so many areas. So let's go ahead and transition into, because I'm excited to hear about this part. What really, in terms of the mindset shift, what woke you up to be able to see, this is the way I'm operating. This is the actions that I'm taking. And I love the way that you said that. It's like, I've got my foot on the gas pedal. I'm taking all of these actions, but I'm not worthy to accept the outcome of those actions. What was that scenario, circumstance? Where did it really kind of like wake you up at? Yeah, it was uh, nearly nine years ago. Tim, it'll be nine years ago, late December. I lost my mom to breast cancer. So Mm. watching the woman that brought me into this world literally take her last breath in front of you, the fragility of life two by four smacked me clean upside the head. And I questioned everything at that point, right? Like how could a woman that never smoked, never really drank, get breast cancer, have it come back three times, battle it for 17 years, go through all this pain and, you know, want anything to have another day with her three children or seven grandchildren and be gone. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was my seminal moment to question everything about life and what kind of impact did I want to have? And and I still remember the last conversation, deep conversation we had between each other. I was taking her down to a treatment at the University of Penn in Philadelphia. And her biggest fear was she would be forgotten. Wow. And I just remember saying to her, and it was like this symbolic passing of the baton. I didn't know it now, it's, it's, I, but I can connect the dots looking back. I said, mom, your, your positivity will grow on in me. I'm going to nurture it in my boys and you'll always be remembered. But I think that seed was planted in my head of we get one trip around the sun. What impact do we want to have on the world? How can we bring energy, positivity, hope to everybody? Because it's a cynical, dark world and we need more people. So that, that was the moment that, that really transformed who I was and, and made me take a deep look at, at who I wanted to be and what impact did I, I want to have. So where did you start with that? Because that, that definitely is a huge impact when you have a loss of a loved one. And then you start to question everything. So where did you start? Because you're looking at your entire life, like you said, questioning everything. Where do you start with that question? It's like, if I'm going to question everything, where do I start? Yeah. I mean, for me, it was like, what do I want to do from a career perspective? And then nine months later, I kind of got the shove out the corporate door where I needed to relocate. I've got two young sons, wasn't happening. And I said, now's the time to make a change. And I decided to open up a boutique gym. I was always into physical fitness. My late mother was a a school teacher, but taught aerobics at night in the eighties and nineties. I took out my wife's dinner. I said, this is what I'm going to do. I was scared shitless, right? I was scared. But I said, I need to make the leap because life is not promised. Tomorrow is not promised to you, Tim, to me, to anyone. It's time to start living. And then through that journey of stepping out, opening up my own business, I started down that deep personal development rabbit hole. I've never gotten out. It is the most amazing gift I've given myself and now give to my family. And it's how can I up-level and be a little bit better. And society and social norms, they they pigeonhole us. They keep us in this path, just going down this common path of isolation, depression, anxiety, all these things that people are suffering with. And I know I didn't want to do that. It's been multiple iterations of Jeff. My wife and I joke around old Jeff versus new Jeff, totally different person. But that was kind of where I started is, hey, what do I truly want to do? How can I make an impact? And and then I kind of got pushed out that, that corporate door. So and I love that question where can I leave the impact? And I, I find this as a growing theme. And Steve and I talked about this. So often we find our value and we find the hope. It's really more the hope 
through service of others, right? And, and I, I love that you actually brought that up. But let's, if it's okay, and I'm asking permission. One is you said you're scared shitless. Two is that you took your wife out. Were you also concerned or was there a fear of how your wife was going to react when you're going to be like, hey, we're just going to throw our lives up into this new adventure that we're going to take? Was there any concern about that? I, the reason why I'm asking it is because I was in the position and I know I was a lot of concern on my side of things. So I, I'd love to be able to flesh that out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I took her out and I... <laughs> I think the exact line was, you got to be fucking kidding me. Like this, what, what are you doing? And and I said, just trust me, let me build a plan. And, you know, inevitably that business failed and it mm. was a harsh lesson. I mean, I, I visited a bankruptcy attorney, like COVID happened. I had to shut my gym down overnight, but there was amazing lessons learned yeah. from that. And I know, and it gets me emotional. I know how my, hard my mom fought to be around. And a bankruptcy or a loss of business is not going to stop me. I am always going to get up. And that's like line one of our Wickersham family mantra is Wickershams are always in the fight. Took it from the Navy SEALs. Like if I am breathing, I am always in the fight. Yeah. So yes, there was hesitation. And there's been multiple times of that when I've shared things with my wife. I mean, I gave up drinking alcohol 22 months ago. I hesitated because I was scared of what other people were going to think how they were going to view this guy that now is is sober and attacking life. But I just had that seed planted of we only get one trip. What kind of impact do we want to have? How do we serve others? How do we be that positive force? And that's just an overriding theme that that I live, eat, and sleep on a on a daily basis with. Okay, so how old were your kids when you made this transition? When you got out of corporate? So you're talking with your wife, and you mentioned earlier in the podcast your kids are kind of teenagers side. How old were your kids when you made that first transition? I'm assuming were, young. Yeah, they were eight and six. So about seven years ago. Right. So you're looking at that. So you've got a young family or young kids that you have to support. Your wife is basically like, you're freaking nuts. And like, I don't know if this is going to work. So all of that stress and all that pressure, it comes down to, and I have to ask this question, why? Why would you take such a risk? Why would you want to analyze everything? Why would you want to step out on the unknown adventure that you're about ready to face and bring everybody along with you? Why? What, why, what would possess you to, to want to do something like that? It's the hero's journey, right? I, just, I, I had this itch on the back of my neck, Tim, that I, I could always be more, do more, have more. And I wasn't living up to my potential. And I just knew it. And I finally faced those facts, I think, with the reality of losing my mom. And I, I said, it's time to start living up to that potential. It didn't happen overnight, right? I was still doing the crappy things that I was doing in my 20s and 30s. I still remember the one fitness class I went to teach it at like 8 a.m. on a Saturday. I was hanging out with my buddies, playing cards till two in the morning, drinking beers. Went to kiss my wife and she said, how are you going to teach about fitness when you stink of alcohol? And I was like, oh, that's a powerful truth bomb, right? But so, so it wasn't overnight. It was a process. It's still a process. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. But hey, I'm going to get up tomorrow. If today isn't a great day, I'm going to get up with the intentionality that I'm going to crush this day. And I think that's so important. So it was just, hey, I get one trip around the sun. Luckily, she was she's a teacher. She had that stability. But it, it's it's been a harsh five years until these past two years of, of my business now and what I'm doing where, hey, she was she was the bell cow. Right. My sons say, hey, I want to do what you do. I, I've been very transparent with them. I said, mom, support the family for those four or five years while I was figuring my stuff out. 
Yeah. So it's, it's important, especially as a dad to share that transparency and be vulnerable from that position. Yeah. And I think that speaks very, very much into, again, you talked about some of the social norms and the, the common things that we deal with in our society in the aspect that you have to appear to have it all together. You have to appear to have everything strong and you can't show any weakness. So can we just kind of touch on that topic real quick? Because I don't want to skip over something that I feel is incredibly powerful, which is that authenticity and the transparency through which you live your life. Yeah, no, the the times I think we're conditioned. I, I'd say definitely as men, we're even more conditioned when we ask for help is a weakness. It's actually a strength. And no people can talk about being a self-made man. It is complete BS. They all have help. They all have a team. You're not going to, you know, my, my 30 year vision is to impact lead 1 million dads, elevate two plus million kids. I tell dads all the time that jump into the warrior dad experience. It's not going to happen by me alone. I'm going to need your help. So going through some dark times in my life, when I saw asking for help as a weakness, I fell further down has now solidified, Hey, ask for help. And back to your point, so many people want to help you. Like we're in, internally, we want to help others. We want to give, we want to serve. You ask somebody help, they're going to give you help. And it's, it's so empowering when you know that. So breaking that social norm of our belief pattern or how we've been raised to rub some dirt on it, can't ask for help as men. It's just not the case. We all need help. Yeah. And I find it almost, and it's sad, but I find it almost comical. And I, I see it in my own life too. So I'm speaking out of my own situation. And it's like, I am offended if somebody doesn't come to me and ask me for help when I find out after the fact that they needed help. And yet in my own life, I, I don't ask for help either. Like I, I, I fall into that trap and I have to constantly be breaking that. But it's almost like I get offended because somebody didn't come and ask, like, dude, I can help you, man. I love to be able to help. And that's a, it's a joy to be able to help. And out of that service, we, we find our fulfillment, but it's just crazy. It's totally crazy when we, when we think about how crazy the, the societal norms are and whatever. All right, let's go ahead and transition into this because I think there's a lot of really powerful things. One is you looked at the value and I want to tie this together. First of all, you looked at the false narrative of I'm not valuable. I'm not worthy. And then you have the situation of a wake up call. Like, dude, I've only got one shot in this world. So what legacy am I going to leave and live currently while I'm here? And then you start to analyze, you start to break down. And like you said, it's a constant journey of, okay, I did this and I had a failure here, but I can learn from that. So what does that look like now and how you live your life? And feel free to talk about whether it's your habits and your patterns. I also love the whole idea of what belief you currently have and how you're moving forward. So let's just jump into that component of what is it that you're doing right now to craft and write the narrative of the rest of your life? Number one, I'll start with just how do we break that belief pattern? I will say repetition, repetition day in and day out of doing some simple, easy to do things, but they're easy to do, easy not to do. I loved controlling the bookends, PM and AM. Like you control the bookends, you have some semblance of control in an otherwise chaotic world, right? That's how, I mean, I'm almost six years straight of meditating at least 10 minutes a day. Uh, cold showers, I'm like five and a half years. Those are mental reps that I put in to build my mindset. So repetitions, like putting in the reps, putting in the work, there's no substitute for hard work and effort. There just isn't. I mean, Angela Duckworth's book, Grit, great book if you haven't read it. Effort counts twice, right? That's what I instill in my sons now at 15 and 13 and have for years. So dialing in those bookends, when everything went chaotic, when COVID happened, when I had to shut down my gym overnight, I was still 
preparing for success at night, still stacking wins in the morning. I remember people would say, you're still getting up at 5 a.m.? Yeah, heck yeah. Because I know that slippery slope and how so many people fell off. I wrote my first book in those first three months of COVID because I had two hours of free time where the world was asleep, right? So dialing those bookends, being consistent. Consistency is the ultimate force multiplier. Like so many people don't get what they want because they're putting energy, they're putting focus, they're putting time. But inside those parentheses is that C, that's that force multiplier. You be consistent day in and day out. It's amazingly, amazingly powerful. So, you know, repetitions, consistency, and then thinking about my legacy, thinking about how I'm going to pay it forward to my two sons, those belief patterns, those challenges I had. Do I want to snowplow the road for him? No, but I want to give him tools, tactics, and strategies that I didn't have growing up that aren't taught in schools. And that's what I teach the dads in the worried dad experience to do themselves and then learn at the highest level because they not only take action, they share it with their kiddos. And it's these little things that we can do to create so much happiness, so much joy. I mean, I just had a dad in class six who his son was singing in the shower. He's on the autistic spectrum. He said to his dad, I haven't been happy in three years. And today I was happy through the powerful things that he's doing, leading his family. Like that's what it's about. That's how we can make a dent in the universe. So that's a little bit of kind of how I operate on a daily basis. And I'm intentional. And how do I want to show up? What's my identity? Who am I? You could ask 100 people, 95 would have no clue who they are. How are they going to show up? I define it, energy, work, love. Energy, I'm going to show up as a world-class athlete. I'm going to play hard. I'm going to train my mind and my body. Work. I'm going to be the CEO. I'm a CEO of a $10 million company. I'm going to do things based upon that. Love, I'm dad and husband of the year. When you can show up from an identity perspective, you're not reliant on your feelings. Because if I was reliant on my feelings, I would not do half, three quarters of the things I do on a daily basis. But my identity drives my actions. So I'll stop right there. No, I, I love it. I got like thousand questions just in that one little piece there. But the the driving question, especially, and, and I try to think of it from an audience standpoint, and I, I, I suspect people listening to this is like, dude, that guy is crazy, over the top. There is no way that I will ever be like him. And I think that there is this little bit of a journey because you, you shared this earlier in the fact that I wasn't always like this. I made mistakes. I, I, I did things and I started stacking activities. And I, I know this and I'm, I'm going to speak into it just because I've, I've heard you speak before, but you didn't yep. start out taking cold showers, doing all the meditation. You didn't start out with all that. So let's go back for somebody that's not used to having that much, I would say control order in a chaotic day. Where in the world would you get started? How did you get started in this between the analyzing of who you were and then identifying and figuring out how God made you and then showing up like that? How did you get started with that? How would somebody else get started with that? It's back to kind of what you let off with, Tim. You can't see your blind spots. I hired coaches. I mean, I've probably spent seventy dollars to $80,000 on personal development, right? I hired coaches to help me. Then I got curious. What's going to work for me? <laughs> then I figured out things that lit me up. I said, ooh, let me do that again. Not let me do it once and then not do it again. Right. So that that was the journey. The other piece, and and I see so many people fall in this trap. We want instant results. We want to hit that grand slam, walk off, bat flip, home run, and be done. You will never be done in life, right? That's the dash. We we have two dates on our headstone. It's the dash in between. It's a North Star 
not a distant sure. And again, limiting like belief patterns. We've all been sedated of like, hey, I'm going to get retirement. I want to be on a white sandy beach, sit there for the rest. You will be miserable after two or three days. So it's this constant growth. Start simple, easy, almost laughable. Like what? I got three things that I do every single day, regardless if I'm traveling for work or if I was on a deserted island. I drink a full glass of water when I wake up. It takes five seconds, 10 seconds tops. The longest stretch of the day you go without water is when you're sleeping, you're dehydrated. You want a natural way to wake up in the morning? Drink a full glass of water. Number two is I move my body. We are physical beings. We used to hunt and gather. We used to be moving all day long. We're not anymore. Move the body. That's number two. And you can do that with a two-minute walk. What's that? Two minutes and 10 seconds to get two wins. Feel good about yourself. Last one is meditation or breathing. Take three breaths, six count in, two second hold, seven seconds out, 45 seconds. You've just tacked three wins in less than three minutes in your morning. You're going to feel good about yourself. You're not touching your phone. You're not getting distracted by negativity. I like to tell the dads that jump into the warrior dad experience. Give me 1% of your day, which is 14 minutes, 40 seconds. You stack seven wins every day. You're going to be a powerful force to take on that negativity. So those are a couple of things that people can do that are real quick and easy. And should less than three minutes, three wins, you're going to be feeling good that you accomplished three things rather than going down that rabbit hole of social media, text message, email, negativity. You're going to stay in that rut. So I have a rule of, of coaching, like no distractions when you wake up. You got to stack wins first. Yeah, I love that. All right. So starting out with the wins and you said you bookend this. So let me give you an opportunity to kind of talk about the end of the day, because if you're stacking three wins in the first 15 20 minutes of your day and you're not getting into all that negativity there's a little side note there which i'll let you if you want to jump into this there's this whole aspect of the mental shape of your mind where you actually are more in a gratitude state and a better positivity rather than the negative like complaining state and i'm sure that's probably in there as well so either a you can talk about the gratitude aspect of it or b if you want or maybe we talk about both and what's going on at the end of the day to be able to book in that day yeah, let's talk about the bookend first at, at the end, and then I'll just share the, the gratitude and how the uh, reticular activating system truly can light us up. You got to prepare for success at night. You got to, like when I'm stacking those three wins, for example, my water's already poured in the cabinet. There should be no resistance in that process. Yep. And people say, that's, that's ridiculous, Jeff. Well, I'll just go get my glass. And I'm like, okay, so let's go through the scenario. You go to the cabinet, you open up the cap. There's no clean glasses of water. That's your first opportunity for your mind to say, hey, Tim, this is bullshit. <laughs> Just go back to what you're doing. Stack it. Prepare it. Prepare for success, right? So get everything ready and then wind down at the end of the night. Get away from the cell phone. Read a book, right? If you're getting blue light before you go to bed, you're decreasing your melatonin production by 50%. That doesn't impact how quickly you fall asleep. It impacts the quality of your sleep, right? I track my sleep on my aura ring. I'm asleep seven hours, 15 minutes. I can get a 90 plus on my sleep score, right? So preparing for a great night's sleep. Sleep is the bedrock. You want to run fast, do amazing things. You got to wind down at night. You got to prepare for a good night's sleep. I teach the dads to do that. But then I also, we teach our kids, right? Because how are they wired into tech? They're growing up in an age where tech is everywhere. That's the only thing they've known. And it's been a battle with my two teenage sons. But we're on the other side where, you know, this past week and a half, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, they're up at 4.45. We're hitting the YMCA at five o'clock before school, right? Those things happen when we lead by example. But that's the PM bookend. Why should we dial into stacking wins? Why should we dial into gratitude? 
because reticular activating system, and, and just to describe that real quick to the audience, it's when you buy a car and you see all the cars out on the road. My wife had she, her, her dream car was a Jeep Wrangler. She got one years ago. And she's like, oh my God, everybody was driving their Jeep today. And I'm like, hon, it's actually not the facts. Everybody had those Jeeps. You were just wired into it, right? We're bombarded by so many different things. Our mind filters out so much. When you practice gratitude over a 10-week period, once a week, your happiness level rises by 25%. Why? You find more things to be grateful for. You're dialed into it. Your reticular activating system is open to seeing more things that we're grateful for. So there's the PM bookend and the power of gratitude. Man, I love it. I love it. So, all right, man, is there anything... Because we got to wind it down. This is such good stuff, though. Is there anything, though, that you would say, if you listen to the whole thing and you, and you were only able to take one thing away, what would be that one thing that you would want somebody to walk away with? I'm going to speak to dad specifically because that's who, who I guide now. It takes only one dad, one dad to change a family tree forever. Think about the ripple effect that you could have. It could be you, your great, great grandpa, you're sitting on the porch and your kids are talking about you. It could be future generations of this crazy, bald, bearded dude that changed the family tree forever. And I think we discount too often the impact we can have on others. I love it. Love it. All right. If somebody wants to get in contact with you, what is the best way, especially with all the stuff that's I, I frankly resonated with me and I know I love what you're saying here, but how can somebody get in contact with you either to find out more about the warrior dad, find more about you, find more about the ability to be able to just change and write a new narrative? How can they get in contact with you? Yep. So if they want to learn more about the warrior dad, they can go out to www.thewarriordad.com. If you want to shoot me a personal note, drop me a line through email, jeff at thewarriordad.com. Always just love having conversations, connecting. And to your point, so many times, we miss our blind spots. I always like to say it's tough to read the label when you're inside the bottle. Yep. It's amazingly refreshing when you have somebody that has battle tested a system for six, seven years, has their kids on the attack, wife on the attack and others. So those are, and I'm out on most socials, LinkedIn, I primarily post on, but yeah, drop love me it. a note, send me a message. We'd love to chat. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. So if you guys are listening, man, again, the hearts of everybody that we have on here, I know are, we want to hear about what's impacted your life. We want to hear about things that you're doing, things that, you, that are changing. And so whether you contact me and, and share about what was going on or you contact Jeff directly, I don't care as long as you're reaching out and letting us know what's going on in your life because we want to connect with you on that level. Other than that, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can hear it on podcasts. We actually edit things. If you're listening on podcasts, go watch it on YouTube because we'll do some video stuff. But I want you to continue to write and craft the story of your life. Continue to write out that legacy because that's what's most important. That's what our goal is. So until the next story, man, take it easy. Write that narrative for the rest of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the author of your story? Take the next step now at www.narrative.live and enter your details to connect with a community of others just like you that are tired of living under the false narrative. Finding your true story and writing your narrative, it will give you clarity, freedom of your day, and it just might change your life forever.